0: Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Ephesians 3, pick it up in verse 14. It says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, the magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven and earth, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that God will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. I love what Jill said before about allowing God to come in and break our chains off us. Open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its lengths. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. And look at it in verse 20. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His Spirit deeply and gently. Remember, the Holy Spirit is gentle. Gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning, Father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, thank you that as we gather in your house this morning, that whilst this might be a building some other day, but today it's your house. Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise, Father. Speak to us through your word in Jesus' name and the whole church said together, amen. Amen. Man, I want to live the dream. I want to live God's dream for me. We're in a series. We're finishing the series today called Living the Dream." We're coming into summer, summertime is all about the good vibes, it's all about the good times, it's all about the beach selfies, it's all about the, it's all about the you know, how can I just enjoy summer as much as I, I possibly can, the amazing sunsets, the amazing weather, but I believe on the inside of every person is a desire to know, does God have a dream for me? We call it a destiny, a pathway, a dream something for me? What does God have for me? Is there a God in heaven? Is there some, some might call it a higher power. You ever heard someone who doesn't know Christ, they call it a higher power and they point to the ceiling? But could there be a God in heaven that has something for me? Could there be a God in heaven that has an amazing life for me? And I believe that he does have it for every single person. I found it so intriguing when I learned that the most search for passage of scripture in the U Version Bible app was Jeremiah 29.11, which is all about the God dream. But I want to read it. We've read it in the ESV and the, 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 uh, the NIV. I want to read it from the New King James. It says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. So God's pointing to their circumstance. But listen what he says, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. God makes it personal. It says, and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. Listen to to how personal this is. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And it goes on. And I just love that about the God dream. How great is this? Is there anyone thankful this morning that when it comes to the God dream that God gives us, He attaches Himself to your God dream? He actually stops and He says, no, when you get to your God dream, when you move into the future that I have for you, I will be there too. I will be there right alongside you, helping you. When you pray to me, when you seek me, I will be there. The God of heaven, your heavenly Father, will join you in your God dream. How amazing is that? Come on, can we give God some praise in the house this morning for how good he is? It's a God dream. I started off the series by saying that we need to love God. That was key number one. There's three keys to the series. I'm going to make it real simple. Love God, ensuring that it's actually the God dream. And I believe there's ways that we can safeguard our lives to make sure it is a God dream. We can put parameters in place to make sure it is a God dream. We can do it by prioritizing God. God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. People who kind of live up and down and wishy-washy, hoping they're thinking God's in everything. I, I hate to break it to you, but he's probably not. God is a God of priorities; He's a God of chaos. That's why in his top 10, he says, what's number one? Me. Number one is me. So in life, we have to prioritize him. We've got to pursue Him. With our God pursuits, are they God pursuits? And we've got to please Him. How do we please God? We, we do it by having faith. Last week was so cool. Did anyone enjoy our sunrise service that almost didn't happen? <laughs> the sunrise service that almost didn't happen it was like a puff of cloud and it just didn't happen. But thanks to this hurricane that nearly showed up, had Jill the night before, she's on like minute to minute radar. You know, look, babe, this cloud moved to the left. And I was like, it's going to be fine. I told her, we're a church now. We're a real organization. We can't quit. We can't just stop. We can't just say church is not happening. We're having church. But I spoke last week about loving people. And I just love that that message, God just happened to drop that message at a time when we were doing it at the pavilion and there were people all around us. We were surrounded by people at the pier. But in Acts 16, it's about Paul and Silas singing hymns to God. But Paul himself was living a God dream. If you go back, I didn't have time last week and I don't have time today, but if you go back in Acts chapter 16, God ha- Paul has his own dream. He has his own God dream. It's amazing. He has this, this, this man come to him in a vision in the night. And it's a man from Macedonia, pleading to him, saying, come and help us. He has his own God dream. And then later on, he's found in prison with Silas hy- singing hymns at midnight. to God. And I just love, he's living his own God dream. But as the earthquake happened, as the chains were loosened, as the jailer was about to take his own life, he stops him and he says, no, don't do it. We're all here. And then the jailer sees, I I believe he saw the grace and he saw the, the, the mercy in Paul, which is representative, is mirrored from God to the jailer through Paul. Paul was just a conduit in the situation. It's not all about Paul, but it's everything to do with God. And he stops and he says, Sir, what do I have to do? What's it going to take for me to be saved? And then the jailer gets saved and the impact goes on. And what I was trying to get at last week was when we have our God dream, we love people, love God, love people. But when we love people inside our God dream, it's going to affect other people. It's going to affect the people around us. It says in this passage in Acts 16, it says his entire household was baptized. His entire household was saved. I could just imagine the impact When you talk about the Old Testament, the Jewish people, you talk about a household, you're not talking about one person or just a couple. You're talking about many people. And I can just see the impact going on in that moment, in that one person's life. There was an impact that reached beyond just the jailer, but into the world around him as well. When we love love God and love people and we live the dream, it has an impact on other people as well. God wants you to live the dream, which includes loving people. So the final key, I guess, in this series is this. Love God, love people. Number three, love life. Love God, love people, love life. God wants you to live the dream in every age and stage. I love all the stages in life. I love all the stages in life. I guess I'm getting on a little bit now, but I just love all the stages. There was the childhood stage, the baby stage, and the childhood stage when you're trying to work it all out. You know, you're just literally learning how to do stuff, <laughs> just learning how to actually just do things, and um, that's cool. The awkward teenage years—they come along, man. I I nearly put some pictures up for you today. I nearly did, but you know, I just wanted to save you from it. But it was bad. It was awkward. I had long bleached hair from just, it was just weird. I was just trying to be someone I was clearly not. But it was the awkward teenage years and then came the, the, the I guess the single, the young adult years when you're starting, to, you're starting out in life, you're trying to make it all happen. Then the family years come and, and on it goes. But here's the point. It's all a gift from God. You've got to love life. You gotta love life. I sent a text on my or oh, sorry, on my thirty-fifth birthday, which I celebrated just recently. I know I only look twenty-five. It's okay. Twenty-five. But on my thirty-fifth birthday, which we celebrated just recently, Jill and I, we actually took our sailboat, we sailed down the coast and we spent the night on the boat and I woke up on my birthday and I went out, it was early, and I went out in the morning and Like I do most days, I just opened my Bible and I started to spend some time with God. But I was by myself this time. I didn't have screaming kids everywhere, yelling at me for Cheerios. I was by myself. just enjoying my life. But I just, in that moment, I just started to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for 35 years of breath. Thank you, Lord, for 35 years. Thank you that it's a gift from you. Every breath that I draw is from you. It's a gift. Life is a gift. Just recently, my father-in-law celebrated 60 years. And he's my hero. He's one of, I just love him so much. And if I keep talking about him, I'll begin to cry. But I remember texting him. I just said, I'm thankful today. I'm thanking God. I'm grateful for t- today for 60 years of breath. 60 years of life. 60 years of breath. Life is a gift. I wonder if you appreciate life. Do you flat out just love life? Love God. Love people. Love life. I believe this is a mantra over our church. This is the type of people we are. This is the culture that we are. This is who we are. We love God, we love people, but we also love life. I got three points today. My first point is this love life and value life. If we want to live the dream, the God dream for our lives, we've got to love life, we've got to value life, we've got to see every breath as a gift from God. I wonder if you view your life as a gift. I wonder if you see every day as an opportunity. You know, there's power in a day. I preached a message one time about the power of a day. Moses tells us in the Bible, he says, teach us, Lord, to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or in other words, just help us to understand how much we have, how much of a gift we have. There is power in your days. What can a day accomplish? Or maybe better said, what can God accomplish or bring about in your life with just a single day? Love life. King David penned so much scripture about the highs and lows of life through the emotional roller coaster which was David's life, and we read about it in the Psalms. But you know, his son Solomon spoke powerfully about life. He spoke powerfully. He had an amazing perspective, and he had good reason. He'd certainly seen some things in 1 Kings chapter 4. In verse 29, I'm just going to skip through them, but it talks just about how much Solomon knew how much God had given him. In verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. And a breadth of understanding is measureless as the sand on the seashore. And it goes on, it says that he was greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Verse 31, he was wiser than anyone else. Verse 32, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. Don't forget about the five. Verse 33, it says that he spoke about plant life. From the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish, and it goes on. And it says, from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Or in other words, to glean into Solomon's view of life. To glean into his perspective on life. He knew a lot about life. Yeah, the amazing thing about it is he'd witnessed a lot of struggle. He'd witnessed a power struggle in his father's life. It would have been a constant reminder, a constant reminder of how much his dad went through. But he makes this statement in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to put it up on the screen. He says this. This is at a time, if you understand the context in Ecclesiastes, it wasn't exactly all roses for Solomon at the time. He'd reached a point where he was kind of melancholic and he, he was reflective and. You know, he'd reached a point where he'd accomplished so much. He let some things into his life that maybe weren't the God dream. Maybe he was regretful. Maybe he he was just feeling a lot of emotion. But he says this, which is incredible. He says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. Listen to it. This is God's gift to man. He says, nothing better for God's people to do than to have joy, to do good, and as long as they live. Listen to it again. He says, everyone should eat, drink, take pleasure in all his toil. It doesn't say drink a lot. Don't put words in my mouth. It says, eat and drink and take pleasure in your toil. This is God's gift to man. In other words, this is a gift from God. What you have is a gift from God. We can get so busy just being busy, can't we, church? We can just get so busy just being busy, just doing things, filling our schedule full of stuff that we can just forget about how great life is. That's why it's so important that we practice Sabbath rest. That's so imp- it's why it's so important that we stop and we get into the rhythm that God gave us, which is to take a day of rest, to take a moment and stop, to rest, to replenish, but most of all, to remember the breath that we have, which is from God. It comes into us from God. It flows out of us from God. It's a gift from Him. I believe this is caught up in our vision statement. I've been putting this up during this series, but I want to point it out again. It says to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church. goes on. And we talk about focused on Jesus and welcoming people home, but it's an exciting, vibrant church. It doesn't say we're trying to build a boring church. It doesn't say that we're trying to build an underwhelming church. It doesn't say that we're trying to build an uneventful church. We just go through the rhythm and the routine of church. We just pile in here on a Sunday, every single Sunday, and it's just the same every time. It's just not what we believe. We believe that church gets better and better and better. It's exciting. It's vibrant. Love God, love people, love life. That's living the dream. God wants to build a church that's Full of vibrancy, full of color, full of excitement, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the goodness of God, full of the Word of God, full of amazing, amazing things. Am I preaching to the choir this morning? Come on. So we've got to love life and value it. Number two, we've got to love life and believe for more. Life gets better. You look at it in Ephesians 3, verse 20 again. It says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine. Other translations say exceeding, abundant above. Exceeding simply means to go further than we thought that it would. To go further than we thought God could take us. To be in a place that we never thought we would get to. That's what this scripture is. I wonder if you believe it over your own life that It just gets better. And you could sit here today and say, yeah, that's fine preacher, but you don't know the position I'm in. That's fine preacher for you to say that, but you don't know the position I am. Well, I understand. I've also been in positions, Jill and I have been in places and seasons in our life where we could have looked at it and said, you know what? It's not that great. But we believe for more. We look at what we have. We don't live from a place of just saying, man, I don't have. But we live from a position of saying, look at what I do have. I simply believe this. If you have breath and you have Jesus, you have a lot to thank God for. I'm going to say it again. If you have breath and you have Jesus, you have a lot to thank God for this morning. Love God. Love people. Love life. But love life and believe for more. Believe God can take you to the next level. Believe that if you're starting that business, that there is something that God is going to do that's going to include other people. It's going to bless other people in the process. It's going to involve other people being a part of it. And through it, you're going to be able to build the church and do what God has called you to do. So that's the thing about Kingdom Builders. If you want to come check it out Wednesday morning, can I encourage you to be there? But see, we want to make pathways for people in our church to be a part of our church. It's funny how in church, we we make pathways for people who want to serve and want to do things and maybe want to feed the homeless and do all that sort of stuff. But what about the people who have resource? What about the people who want to actually invest into the building of the kingdom of God? Do we make a pathway for them? See, what we're trying to do in our church is we have this ministry called Kingdom Builders. It's not just a way for us to get more money from people, but it's a way for us to invest in people. It's a way for us to include those people who want to build the church and believe that the church can get better as well. Love life and believe for more. And finally, point three love life and forgive along the way. I don't want to allow my life to be the type of life where things just attach to me, stuff just gets on me, stuff just starts to grow on me, stuff, stuff just starts to attach itself to me. I'd love it if you could write this down. Some truth, if you want to stay living the dream, write this down. Learn to let stuff go quickly. Learn to let it go quickly. I love that saying, water off a duck's back. Why? Because I love how fast it happens. (laughs) Water off a duck's back, it happens so quickly, it's just gone. See, I just think you've got to live long enough to get offended. You've got to live simply just a little bit of life to get offended. You've got to be in church life just a little while for someone to say something to you. Maybe doesn't rub you up the right way. Offense will come. It's up to us what we do with it. Offense by its very definition is called a stumbling stone. So what do we do with that stumbling stone? Do we just keep going back to it and just falling over it? Or can we just pick up this stumbling stone and just throw it to the side? And just move on with our lives. Love life and forgive along the way. See, if we don't, this will derail the God dream. See, there's the Holy Trinity that we all know of. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's also an unholy trinity that I'm going to introduce today. It's called the unholy trinity. I'm going to trademark it. Make sure you send me the royalty check if you use it. The unholy trinity is unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. And it can potentially derail your God dream. See, it all believes with just unforgiveness or just not letting it go or just letting it go, not letting it go, which can lead to being bitter, bitter towards people, skeptical of everything, bitter towards the church, bitter about something that happened that might happen again. Bitterness rising up is usually associated with anger and grudges, but there's consistent warning in Scripture about bitterness, about unforgiveness, about resentment, we need to love life, but we need to let things go. We, need to, we just need to let things go in life. Listen to it in Hebrews 12. The author of Hebrews says this to God's people. He says this, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. It's a warning not to treat holiness lightly or to presume upon God's grace. But if we're not careful, it can lead to resentment. That's a feeling I have towards someone else. I'm resentful of them. I resent them. I don't like that. That can lead to envy, which says, actually, I don't like that person and I want what they have. And I don't want them to have it. There's no place for this in holy living. There's no place for this in the Christian life. We need to just let it go. Like my children's show says. Was it frozen? Thank God that has passed. (laughs) We're not bringing it back. Harboring feelings of ill will towards other people. It all stems from that place of allowing something called unforgiveness to attach itself to me. Jesus was serious about this in the Gospels. Matthew 18 verse 21. The parable of the unmerciful servant. I was studying this this week. And man, this was conviction for my soul when I read this. I want to read it out. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter's trying to be holy. (laughs) Peter's trying to be, I'm going to use a holy number. (laughs) Seven times, Jesus answered and said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Anytime we see in the scriptures, especially when Jesus is speaking, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to pay attention. Yeah. We need to pay attention to everything Jesus says, but when He says this, this is very important. He says, like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who, who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to repay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me, he begged, which is funny based on what I'm about to tell you. He said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Truth is, he never could have paid it back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found that his fellow servants who'd owed him 100 silver coins, he grabbed him. And began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with him, with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. But when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. And went and told the master everything that had happened. And verse 32, listen to it. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, he should pay back all that he owed. Listen to what Jesus says. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. The kingdom of heaven is like. There's no room for unforgiveness. See, God has a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to unforgiveness. There's no room for it. But just to set this parable up, you've got to understand the valuations that Jesus is using. He's using these incredible valuations. You're trying to look at all of this money that was owed to the master. If you put that in today's terms, it would be billions and billions of dollars. In fact, it would probably equal somewhere around 200,000 man years of labor. 200,000 man use. It's not going to happen. It's like the old saying that I love. I love this saying. It's so cool. It's just like, when you owe the bank a couple grand, that's your problem. When you owe the bank a couple million dollars, that's their problem. You don't have a couple million to give them. The truth about this is there's no way that he could have repaid that debt. There's no way lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. And he was forgiven. And he rushes out. And the valuation on what was owed to the servant who was getting at his other servant was about $20,000. You're talking about billions versus $20,000. What God is saying here, you've got to understand the magnitude of the forgiveness that I've extended towards you. So therefore, we have no right as Christians. We have no place as Christians. We have no ability or we should have no ability if we understand God's word, to ever harbor unforgiveness in our own lives. If we're going to live the dream, we've got to let stuff just fall off us. We have this, uh, I want to use this illustration, we have, I just mentioned my, my sailboat before, and I love sailing, and but we have this dinghy, and this dinghy has been, personally, the bane of my existence, because we used to have all these troubles with it, and had an outboard motor that would never work and all this sort of stuff. And, but we upgraded the dinghy and we had this really nice dinghy. It just sat in the water and it just looked great. But what I started to think about was, was like, you know what? If I leave this dinghy in the water, I wonder what's going to happen to the bottom of it. We live here in northeast Florida and the water comes rushing through. The tides are crazy. The, the marine life pops up. So one day, I just thought, I'll pull the dinghy out onto the dock and take a look. Put, put the picture up. I don't know if you can see that, but it's like a rug on my dinghy. <laughs> it's just a silly illustration. It's just a silly picture, but that's exactly what unforgiveness is like. It's exactly what um, bitterness is like and resentment and harboring ill will towards people. Even just a little thing, what happens is it begins to grow. You leave that door open to the enemy. The enemy's going to come in. He's going to counsel you in your unforgiveness. He's going to come in. And he's going to speak to you about your unforgiveness and your bitterness. He's going to begin to pepper you with things and say, man, wasn't it bad what they did? Man, wasn't it bad what happened to you? Wasn't it amazing the way that this happened and went down? And man, you should have been treated better. When all we could have done at the beginning was just forgive and just let it go. And it begins to grow, and it begins to fester, and it begins to to make its way, and it begins to, to become this big thing that just doesn't have to be there. If we just had to let it go. We've got to live the dream, but we can't live the dream if we don't forgive. I love it in Psalm 103. It says this, he says, He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Listen to this. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. We just got to let it go. We're going to be the type of Christians who just say, you know what? I'm going to let go quickly. When offense comes my way, when wrongdoing comes my way, I want to stay living the dream. I want to stay living the life that God has given me. I want to stay in that pathway. I want to love God, love people, love life, and I don't want to let anything taint the lens that God has given me for me to live that life that way. Is anyone with me this morning? Why don't you stand with me? I'm excited to pray for some people this morning. Anyone receive that word? Living the dream. I want to finish with a story. You know, I've I've told this story a few times and talked a little bit about the the period of life I was in when I got saved. But the latter part of my teenage years, It was havoc in my life. Fractured relationship. My family had fractured relationship. We had infighting. We had stuff going on. I lost my mom. I lost people close to me. Stuff was happening. And someone came along and they wreaked havoc in our family. Came in and destroyed our family. Just things were going wrong. We literally lost everything that we had. Our inheritance was gone, spent, done. It was just reckless. It seemed like it was just havoc. It was craziness in my life. Were we wrong? Yes. Should it have happened? Man, probably not. Did it happen? Yeah. (laughs) Did it take place? Yeah. Could I have pointed my accusatory finger at that person for the rest of my life? Yes. Could Could I be still living my life ruled by that now? Yes. Could my life look like what I just showed you on the screen? Riddled with just stuff, unforgiveness, and stuff just attaching itself to my life. Yeah. But I made a choice a long time ago. I'm just going to forgive. I'm just going to let it go. God's a just God. Doesn't mean that I have to repair a relationship with that person. Doesn't mean that I have to get on my knees with that person and tell them to forgive me. No, I'm just going to forgive them and move on. And I believe there's people in here today. You want to live the dream. You're looking at what I'm saying. Yeah, man, I love God. I love people. I love life. But I just can't get past this thing. I wonder if you'll forgive today. The thing I love about forgiveness is one of the greatest acts of self love we could give ourselves. Because all unforgiveness is this we're just building a prison around ourselves. And then we live in the prison. (laughs) No one else lives in the prison. Sometimes we feel like, oh, man, I just want to go and drag some people and bring them into my prison with me, and we can have a pity party. But forgiveness says to ourselves, you're forgiven. Live free. Live into everything that God has got for you. So I wonder if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. And I wonder if you could just take a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit, is there anyone that I need to forgive so I can keep living my dream? Is there anyone that I could extend that hand of forgiveness to so I can move on? So I can move towards the dream that you have for me. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit is showing you someone, taking you somewhere where you know there was an issue that you haven't gotten past yet. We're going to pray a prayer this morning. But if that's you, and you really feel like there's an area of unforgiveness, somewhere that you just need to let someone go, I just want you to lift your hand right now. No one's looking around. This is a private moment. I believe people are going to be set free this morning. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer for everyone who's... uh, Lifted up their hands, even if you didn't, but you wanted to. And we're going to let this thing go. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for how much you forgave us. Lord, we thank you this morning, Father, for the debt that we could not repay, that Jesus paid it for us. Father, thank you for the forgiveness that's been lavished on us because of your great love for us, Lord. Your reckless love, Lord, that would have paid any price. But you paid the price, the ultimate price with Jesus' life on the cross. And Lord, we thank you that you raised him up from the dead. It was your power at work, which is also a power in our, a power in our lives. So Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for any unforgiveness. Father, I pray for people to forgive those people right now. If that's you, just say, I oh, forgive that person. Lord, we thank you, Father, that we can walk free. That when we forgive, Father, it's the greatest opportunity for us to walk into your dream. Anything that's holding us back today, Holy Spirit, please identify it. Show us. Help us to move on. We want to walk as free people. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.